The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All right, we are back here for hour two of our head-to-head categories mock draft. And we are in round 12. And so far, the picks have been Nathan Avaldi, Tyler Malley to Scott, then Marcus Stroman, Reese Hoskins, the profit pocket. Let's go. It is it is now completed. Jared Kelnick and Chris, you are on deck. You are now on the clock. So uh, Joey Gallo goes with the very next pick. Let's let's check in on your team, Chris. You can use a first baseman. You can use. A yep, I was uh, I was hoping baseman. Reese Hoskins would be there. Mm. That was uh, that was a snipe of right. some sorts. So not great for you. Uh, you need a third baseman, but we are we're in the same category here, Chris, which is not a great one to be in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got three hitter spots and four pitcher spots in my starting lineup to fill. Um, I feel more comfortable with the pitcher, the hitters who are going to be available, you know, in the future. So I'll, I'll go ahead and take Giovanni Gallegos there, RP. You know, this is kind of the point where I've got Max Scherzer, Kevin Gosman, and Eduardo Rodriguez. If I wanted to pivot to a you know, relief pitcher heavy build, I've probably got enough starting now to get away with that. You know, you're probably gonna get you're gonna get at least one start per week from those guys. So you can expect, you know, Scherzer, Gosman, and Rodriguez to give you fifteen innings per per week at a minimum. So, you know, that gives you just about enough flexibility. Maybe one more starter. And for me not saying that's what I am going to do. But it's an option. <laughs> uh, for me, Giovanni Gallegos kind of represents the end of a tier, too. Like, I think yeah. that he has true ace closer upside. If he's just mm-hmm. named the closer and they don't mess around with it, he could save 30 plus games and deliver elite ratios and lots of yeah. strikeouts. He just yeah, things are m- needs- much scarier after him. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at the other closers and uh, you're right, it's, it's a little scary there. Uh, all yeah. right, after Giovanni Gallegos, Blake Trinan. As of now, uh, Kenley Jansen is still a free agent, but you know if if he signs elsewhere, then Trinan will be the closer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sean Manaya and then Ranger Suarez got so you wondered where he was going to go, and this is still the range Did, round twelve. Didn't even last still the range for Ranger. Didn't <clears throat> even last a full round. Oh, you know, I'm, who I'm surprised hasn't been drafted yet. Actually, two first basemen that I had on my bus list. Uh, but Jared Walsh and Ryan Mountcastle are still there, and they this is much later than they typically go. So I wonder if 
that's starting to be those concerns are starting to be reflected in their prices a little more. Mount Castle's ADP in NFBC drafts is one ten point four. That's actually up uh, over over the course of draft season. And mm-hmm. Walsh is one fifteen point four. So uh, we're thirty picks past that. It's kind of interesting. I should mention that probably a third of the participants in this particular mock draft are volunteers from my Twitter following. So they probably, they, 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 they may subscribe to our way of thinking more than the average drafter would. Okay. Sure. I am on the clock. I've made one of my picks. It was Lourdes Guriel. So I have filled out my outfield, Yordan Alvarez, Eloy Jimenez, and your uh, Lourdes Guriel. I'm very happy with that. Wow. Yeah, Lots he was. Names. Yeah, it was another situation where he was staring at me for like three rounds as one of my top players, but I only have one utility spot yet left. I don't know if Lourdes Guriel is enough of a difference maker to consider filling that yet. So that's why I passed. Okay, and with my next pick, I selected Mark Melanson. So <laughs> as I just mentioned, Giovanni Gallego is kind of the end of a tier. Mark Melanson, look, he was really good Gosh. last year. I think. Eventually, he's 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 gonna fall there, off. There are more interesting closers out there than that. Than Mark Melanson. I mean, the thing is, I'd be fine with Mark Melanson because I think, like, he's proven steady and stable enough. But it's the Diamondbacks. Yeah, you know? they had like a thirty-game losing streak at one point <laughs> last year. It wasn't literally a thirty-game losing streak, but it was like twenty-nine of thirty or something like that. They did go at least one full month without yeah. a save. Well, um, that's because they didn't have Mark Melanson, guys. So now they're going to be a lot no, better, yeah, obviously. So I'm sure I mean, look, they only... But, oh, like the guy who just went, Corey Knebel. Yeah, guy... look, the, Diamond, the Diamondbacks only had 22 saves last season. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen again. You know, yeah. that's, that's an abnormally low number, even if you think they're likely to be a sub-60 win team again. You know, that that, that just won't happen again. There's, there's bad luck involved in that, too. So... I think he can be a 30 save guy if he keeps the job all season. You know, it's not that rare to see 30 saves on a bad team. Yeah, for me, it's you're just paying for the security, right? So Mark Melanson is undoubtedly the Diamondbacks closer. Uh, two two picks later, Corey Knable goes off the board. Pick 147. Yeah, and I, I would prefer Knable to to Mark Melanson. I, I don't think there's much separating Knable and and Gallegos, who I don't feel like. You know, I was just saying it sounds like the Cardinals are actually using the closer term with him, but their history with him is to keep him out of the role as much as they can help it. So I still worry about job security there. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say the Phillies over the weekend, they did name Corey Knable the closer for now, quote for now. And then after that, they signed Jerry's Familia and on Monday they signed Brad Hand. I don't think that Brad Hand is good, but he does have closer experience. So, you know, like, there's enough there to just kind of a slight sliver but of doubt. We haven't mentioned the the real reason to be concerned about Corey Knable, and I don't think it's performance, and I don't think it's losing the job necessarily. I don't think Juris Familia or Brad Hand are really big threats to him. I mean, there aren't many pitchers that have had more injuries over the last three or four seasons than Corey Knable. Even last season, he only pitched 30 innings. He was amazing, or 25 innings. He was awesome. He looked great. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stay healthy last season either as a reliever. So that's the concern is that there's just 
very little reason to think at this point in his career, even pitching as a closer or a reliever, that Corey Knable is going to be able to stay healthy. I mean, <laughs> man, he's he's never had more than seventy six innings in a major league in a major league season, and that was back in twenty seventeen. All right, let's catch everybody up after I selected Melanson, Jared Walsh, Corey Knable, Adam Wainwright, Jorge Soler. Chris selected O'Neill Cruz, 150th overall. All right, and if Chris is going to do this in round 13, I'm just never going to get to draft <laughs> O'Neill Cruz again. Not that I blame him necessarily. It's just you want to make sure you get O'Neill Cruz. And he has the kind of upside to justify it. I get it. I'm just saying, you know, obviously the ADP is much, much, much lower than 150th. I am... The pick that happened four picks or three picks later is making me wonder whether it was the right pick because it was I was between Patrick Sandoval and O'Neill Cruz and my I was thinking take one hope the other one comes back and now it's would O'Neill Cruz have been able to come back the next time I picked this is really highlighting how much I hate picking in the middle of drafts this season I don't know <laughs> more than usual I feel like when I'm when I'm sitting here in the middle I just uh, I, I, it feels like I have too many choices to make. Whereas like, yeah, when you're on the end of the round, you kind of have to like reach for your guys, but at least you get the guys you want. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like there are more of those hard choices when you're picking in the middle. All right. After you selected O'Neill Cruz, we see Taylor Rogers. Uh, I, another expected closer. I, you know, for the Minnesota twins, of course, I mean, he's done it before he had a 30 save season back in 2019 and his numbers last year were completely ridiculous. So I like Taylor Rogers quite a bit. Then Luis Severino, Patrick Sandoval, Gary Sanchez, who is now with the Minnesota Twins. Interestingly enough, there was a report after the trade that they expect Sanchez to play a lot of DH for them. So could lead to more at-bats than we're used to seeing for a catcher-eligible player. I think the plan as of now is he's the backup catcher to Ryan Jeffers. Lots of plate appearances as the designated hitter for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Scott, you select Camilo Duvall. Then we see Craig Kimbrell and Austin Meadows at the turn. We are into round 14, and you are back on the clock, sir. Give me those sluggers. Give me Hunter Renfro. Can't realistically count on him being there beyond round 14. And Jorge Soler's already gone. Marcelo Zuna's long gone. I'm running out of late round. That the late round home run sources that I like to that I like to collect. That I like to collect. There's still Adam Duvall, of course, but he's for sure going to be a drain on batting average. There's still Luke Voigt, but there are questions about how much he's going to play. So Hunter Renfro felt like more of a priority here than maybe reaching a little for another save source after just drafting Camilo Duvall the previous round. All right. Uh, and then the very next pick is Jake McGee. So one round after Camilo Doval goes, Jake McGee goes off the board. So maybe some so, uh, confliction we, there about who the yeah, Giants' closer is. Yeah, we're we're betting on different guys having that role for the Giants. <laughs> right. Uh, again, Camilo Doval late in the season, he basically took over the role as the closer. He finished out more games in the postseason than Jake McGee did. So it seems like they're trending in that kind yeah. of youth movement with Doval who throws extremely hard. He's got a nasty slider. There's lots of like that. I, I haven't seen and I haven't seen anything since camps opened regarding Duvall, but I went back and read a lot of the literature surrounding him during the Giants playoff run. And like the giant everyone on the Giants beat seemed convinced this is the guy now. So 
I at least think he's going to be the guy to begin the year and, and whether or not he can hold on to the role that remains to be seen. But he certainly has the stuff for it if he throws but enough the, strikes. Duvall versus McGee is also very much playing into I mean, sports fans in general, but fantasy players specifically are our well-known predilection for liking one type of player over another. And Camilo Duvall, everything you guys said, he's younger, he's got a wicked slider, all that. And Jake McGee just goes out there and throws fastball after fastball, and he's been around for a while, and it's boring. And so it's very much a situation where we could just be talking ourselves into the more exciting guy at a much higher cost. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm talking about what, what I was reading from the Giants beat, not just, not just schlubs like me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, Sky. You're not a schlub. I would never trust a schlub like you. <laughs> uh, speaking of Jake McGee, it is worth mentioning. Again, this is a head-to-head categories format, and I think we'll see it later on in this draft, but there's going to be relievers that are drafted that are not expected to get saves. I mean, it's just guys that you leave in your lineup and they'll give you strong ratios and, and strikeouts. And I guess Jake McGee, even if he's not the closer per se, he could fall into that category. The numbers were fantastic last year. 2.72 ERA, 0.91 whip, almost a strikeout per inning. But, you know, when he pitches, he should be very good. Uh, all right. What else happened? Joe Adele goes 160th overall. So just... Throw all ADP out the window here. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, then Noah Syndergaard. Chris, you select Carlos Carrasco. Interesting. Then Trent Grisham and Chris Taylor. Um, Chris, are we at the point where you just need to load up on pitchers? and So that's why we're going with Carrasco? Because usually he lasts about 100 picks after this. I mean, this is around where I have him ranked. I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, I... I do think this is the kind of the point in the draft where ADP doesn't matter so much. Sure. Like you can talk about values, but you know, Patrick Sandoval also goes 80 picks later than he usually than he went in this draft. So it's it's the kind of thing where if you're at this point in the draft and you have a need or you have a player that you specifically want, I think you just go get them. So that's what I did with Carlos Carrasco. I think it was the best starting pitcher on the board. Um, so, you know, it was a it was a fairly easy call for me there even though the value may not be ideal. Okay, and then after Chris Taylor, we see Dansby Swanson, and then Mike Clevenger goes, and I am on the clock for two picks. I still do not have a starting third baseman. Mm. Like the Clevenger pick that RJ just made. Mm -hmm. And we're definitely not just saying that because he's our boss. No, no. (laughs) No, it's it's actually a good pick. Yeah. Uh, Man, third base is just barren. What do we do? Should I just wait? Uh, yeah, I think I'll just wait. Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you and I probably have one, probably the same guy <laughs> that we're that we're hoping to fill that third base spot with. If I if I know the way you're thinking about it, I hmm. I have another player that I like to fall back on too. But I know who you're talking about as well. I'm going to select Logan Gilbert with one of the picks. I have him in the uh, in my breakouts 1.0. I like what. We saw at times last year he was inconsistent. I think that he has all all the pieces. He's got the fastball. He's got the two secondary pitches. He just got to put it together. Has the prospect pedigree. Throws really hard. Uh, I do like Logan Gilbert quite a bit. He is my SP4 to go along with Brandon Woodruff, Pablo Lopez, and Max Freed. I've already got two closers on my team. Huh. What can I go with here? 
Should I take another starting pitcher? I think I might. <laughs> There's no There's hitters. There's no hitters that I really truly want here. Luis Garcia. Uh, I am thinking about him. That's the pitcher at the top of my draft board. I think I could use more power though. So I, I'm going to pull oh, this yeah. guy up the board and I'm going to select Matt Chapman. So that was the player that I was referring to where if I miss out on everyone usually, yes, I like Luis Arias. And we'll see if Chris gets him a little bit later on. But you needed a third baseman, right? Like, yeah. You're picking at the end here. There's no way Matt Chapman was going to make it all the way back to you. Mm. In a league with two utility spots. That's Potential fair. 40 homer guy? Come on. Uh, well, I hope you're right. Thank you, Scott. And I, I very much hope he gets traded. Uh, <laughs> look, it seems like that is a very distinct possibility with everything that's going on in Oakland right now. So they ship out Matt Olson. They ship out Chris Bassett. I think Chapman could be next. I think Sean Murphy. I think Ramon Laureano. You know, uh, Sean Manaya, Frankie Bontas. I think all these guys could be on the move. And uh, yeah, the Oakland A's are, look like they're ready to hit a complete rebuild. And I think one year further removed from the hip injury can only be a good thing for uh, Matt Chapman. So hoping he gets back on track there. Uh, after I selected Matt Chapman, we are in round 15 now. Trevor Bauer goes off the board. He is still on administrative leave. And we will continue to follow what happens with him throughout spring training. Then Spencer Torkelson and Scott Barlow, a closer, ah. a closer who I know you like to select, Scotty. Ah, yeah, it was going to be my next pick. That's who. That's who I passed up to draft Hunter Renfro. So, yeah, gonna have to figure something else out there when it comes to saves. Might not be able to wait much longer to dra- to grab Dylan Floro, who's less exciting in this format than I think straight up Roto. So I'll think about it. And while you think about it, we will go to Chris, who's on the clock. I am on the clock and um, looking to fill first base. There's a couple of guys that I like, but I'm going to go with an upside pick. I'm going to push Alex Kirilov up my board a little bit and take him. Um, just, you know, the batted ball metrics and quality of contact stuff was all pretty uniformly very good for Alex Kirilov in his rookie season. The overall production wasn't quite there, but the hope is that the uh, wrist surgery that he had last season to prepare to repair an injury that's really been bothering him for two or three seasons now, dating back to his time in the minors, you know, hopefully that can help him put that past him and start to actualize some of the the power potential that I think is there. I think he could be a very good hitter. And so for waiting to the 15th round to take a first baseman, I, I don't think he's a bad consolation prize. All right. After, uh, I think there was one other pick in there that I missed just before Alex Kirloff, Yoan uh, Moncada went off the board, then Dylan Carlson and Adolis Garcia from the Texas Rangers. Again, we are in round 15. Two more picks, and then Scott is on the board here. We'll see what happens. Can I? Uh, Ooh. We're probably about 150 Raymond. picks. <laughs> Raymond Atherton took Dylan Floro. We're probably about 150 what? picks until either of these guys might matter. Uh, maybe longer. So we're talking like 15 team rotos. But, you know, we talked about the Jesse Winker trade earlier and didn't get all that deep into it. But I'm just going to throw out there. I'm going to be taking Aristides Aquino and Jake Fraley late in some deeper Roto leagues. I actually think Jake Fraley's 
skill set is really interesting. Um, and playing in Great American Ballpark, there is an outside chance that Jake Fraley could have a 2020 season. That I'm just going to put that out there. All right? Do with that what you will. Speak it into existence, Chris. Uh, yeah, Jake Fraley has put up some interesting seasons in the minors. Back in 2019, he hit 298. 19 homers, 22 steals, a 9-10 OPS. The year before that, uh, four homers, 11 steals, a 9-62 OPS. That was only 66 games. So, uh, yeah, Jake Fraley, a name to watch there. Aristides Aquino, the Punisher. You remember the yeah. the, the streak? I was also... Oh, go ahead. No, the streak he went on a couple of years ago. I mean, that was yeah. like memorable well, stuff. He was ridiculous. He's got 29 homers and 85 career games at AAA. He's uh, played... You know, 486 plate appearances at the major league level. He's got 31 homers and 10 stolen bases. So I was mostly just inspired to mention him when I saw Adolis Garcia go off the board because I think he could be that kind of player this season. All right. After Dylan Floro went, Enrique Hernandez could potentially lead off for the Red Sox once once again. And Scott, you selected Brendan Rogers. I um, know. I never get a chance to draft him. And I feel like I'm always the one. I'm, I'm the one who's been hyping him the longest here. I'm... It's especially interesting to me. I drafted him after Enrique Hernandez went off the board, but I won't harp on that too much. <laughs> um, it's to fill a second utility spot for me. I already have second base and shortstop both backed up. So I did not need Brendan Rogers, but I'm just not used to seeing him this late. And I'll, I'm happy to capitalize on the value for what I think is a pretty good, pretty good upside in, in Colorado. All right, two Yankees go at the 15-16 turn, DJ LeMahieu and Luke Voigt. We know that Matt Olson will not be tr- uh, playing for the Yankees this season. There were a lot of rumors about that uh, throughout the offseason. So one name off the list, and we're one step closer to Luke Voigt once again starting for the Yankees. We'll see where Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo wind up, uh, but there's a chance. There is a chance. Scotty, you're back up. What yeah. I'm going to go with Andrew Kittredge here. Mm. Okay. Give me some saves, hopefully. Give me great ratios, more hopefully, (laughs) which non-closing relievers I think are most valuable in this format. Um, I just added a whole bunch of them to my queue. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're at that point in the draft where you can start thinking about the non-closing relievers. Because the thing is, it's not just that they'll give you great ratios, but also that there's a chance that Andrew Kittredge ends up just getting 25 saves for the Rays. There's a chance Paul Seawald ends up getting 35 saves for the Mariners. You know, these guys are, it's not just that they're really good, but also that they're good enough that if they get the opportunity, they'd probably just run with the job. All right. After Scott selected Andrew Kittredge, we see Aaron Savale, Mitch Garver, 184th off the board. It's just great value. Uh, We spoke about him the other day on the podcast, and now with the Texas Rangers, uh, but the playing time could potentially be moving up, trending in the right direction for Mitch Garver. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a little bit ahead of his ADP, but it, again, I think it's a perfect time to select him. So nice value there with Mitch Garver. Then Luis Garcia, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, goes 185th. And then Michael Conforto, who is still a free agent, has been linked to... 
varying locations in terms of what it could do for his fantasy value. We've heard Coors Field, Colorado. We've also heard the Marlins and Marlins Park. So uh, two very opposite ends of the spectrum for Michael Conforto, potentially. And Chris, you are up in round 16. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> are you... Um, gonna yeah, s- I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on Luis Arias, take right. him to fill my third base spot, and feel really good about that at 187th overall. I imagine Scott even might not hate that. <laughs> um, not the best starting third baseman you can get, but what Luis Arias did from... Really, it was about June 1st on, if I'm remembering correctly, was quite impressive. It was not that dissimilar to what Jonathan India did last season. Uh, you know, it was a pace of about 25 homers, 90 plus runs in RBI, decent batting average. He makes contact. He walks a decent amount. The underlying numbers, you know, in terms of the quality of contact metrics are somewhat pedestrian for Luis Arias, but he's got that same kind of pull heavy approach on fly balls that Jonathan India does that can help him maximize the power that he does have. And uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he is likely to be fine. I don't think Luis Arias, you know, is going to be a star. Although I do think there's, you know, potential for him to hit 280. But I think he's fine. He's just not going to hurt me. Okay. Luis Arias, Chris and myself, we're in. Can he hit 280 with, uh, I don't know, 20 homers, 25 homers, 7, 8 steals? I think it's possible. And again, the Brewers yeah. lineup is, is fun. Like, it's it's pretty deep now. They bring in Hunter Renfro in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They just signed Andrew McCutcheon. They still have Christian Yelich. They still have uh, Lorenzo Cain. So, I mean, there's there's and names there. Colton Wong up at the top. He's a solid player. Arias so. is a good OBP league guy. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if he's a top 12 third baseman in OBP league, but he walked 11% of the time last season. He had a two, 345 on base percentage. So, you know, there's a chance that an OBP league for Roto, he's a legitimate four or five category guy with no real weakness. After you selected Luis Arias, we see Sonny Gray go 188th overall. Now with the Minnesota Twins, then Lou Trevino. I wonder if Trevino could be on the move too, man. Like, I mean, the way that the way that they're rumored to be shopping everybody. Uh, I also read an article recently on the Athletic that AJ Puck might work his way into some save opportunities. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Throws hard, but just has not been able to stay healthy. Big, burly, left-handed pitcher. Um, he's interesting. Yep, definitely someone to um, keep in mind. More in a 15-team Roto League, but you know, someone that with one of your last picks, you should be throwing a dart at with AJ Puck because he could be uh, you know, really, really good out of the reliever, especially. Okay. Lou Trevino, I mentioned. Then Jordan Montgomery goes off the board. I am on deck. And now I'm up. Miles Straw. It's pretty late. 191st overall at the end of round 16. Could potentially provide you 30-plus steals if that's what you need at this point in the draft. I I wouldn't be willing to sacrifice the power in in a league where only 10 hitter spots are used. Harder to justify in this format, especially being being that stolen bases aren't at such a premium, but look, 191 is 191. You know, there's there's not really a bad pick here. I'm just saying, I would not build my team. There, There is zero chance I'd have a build in a head-to-head categories league that included Miles Straw. Well, Scott, I mean, look, if you, if you grab as many power hitters as you often are trying to in these drafts, then 
you no, might you're not going to talk me into it, Frank. There's, right. There's no context. <laughs> All right. I, I'd rather just be even that more confident I'm going to win home runs in a given week than okay. potentially undermine that with a Miles Straw pick. And look, I don't know that Miles Straw is a potential category winner like Adalberto Mondesi, but I mean, again, he could steal 30 plus bases. So it's it's not nothing. I, I got to bring RJ down a peg, Frank. Yeah, that's. Yeah, well, that's and Miles Straw is another guy who OBP leagues, he's better than batting average leagues. He's probably not going to be a particularly great batting average guy, but he does walk a decent amount. Mm-hmm. I always worry, I always struggle with this profile, though, the zero power. Uh, but good plate discipline guys because it can you can lose the good plate discipline part really quickly if pitchers just start attacking you relentlessly. I feel like that's it's a it's an approach that can often have a short shelf life. I feel like Michael Bourne was kind of similar to Miles Straw in that way, um, and he was the kind of guy who when it went it went really quickly. All right, well, Miles Straw, if you're listening, bud, I tried to talk you up, but these guys are just not having it, so Wait, I, I look, apologize. A five outfielder <laughs> roto league would be different. I still don't love them there, but I, I, it, it feels like less of a sacrifice. At the 16-17 turn, I selected Eddie Rosario, who, again, I mean, the guy is just undervalued. I, I think he's rock solid. I don't look. I don't want him to wind up with the Marlins, but. Uh, I don't think it really matters where he winds up. I think I think he's a pretty damn good ball player. Uh, and then to start round 17, I selected Alex Wood. Uh, I do have a rule that I like to leave every draft I do with at least one San Francisco Giants starting pitcher. So whether it's Wood, Scalfani, or Alex Cobb, uh, I do like to get one of those guys. And then the next pick is Paul Seawald. So whether he's the closer or not, you leave him in your lineup. You hope that he gives you those ratios, maybe picks up some wins Lots of strikeouts as well. So it's late enough. It's round 17, pick 194. After that, Cal Quantrill and Hyunjin Ryu go off the board. All right. Chris, you are uh, now on the clock. John Means Business was the very next pick. And uh, what do you got? I feel like, what do you need? Starting pitching? No, I feel like I'm probably set on starting pitching so i'm going to go with one of those non-closing relievers that we talked about and i'm going to go with devin williams Mm -hmm. um has been one of the best relievers in baseball over the past couple of seasons obviously you know there was some skepticism coming off 2020 he wasn't as good last season as he was that year but still 87 strikeouts and 54 innings he's got maybe the most bonkers pitch in baseball. He throws his changeup like 65% of the time and had the second highest whiff rate in the game with the changeup last season. So Devin Williams, just a really strong pitcher for this format when you when you want to have enough relief pitchers, whether they're closers or not, that they're going to be in your lineup every day. All right. After you selected Devin Williams, Jose Urquidy, Lucas Sims, and Lane Thomas. Go off the board. Uh, Lucas Sims was in the news recently. There was a report over the weekend that uh, he wasn't ready for the start of training camp. And then he kind of shot that down. He said, I'm not dealing with any arm injuries. So Lucas Sims a little bit up in the air right now. Uh, The Reds had 10 different relievers earn a save last season. So it was a messy bullpen. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Art Warren if he can get an opportunity. Lots of strikeouts. Did have saves in the minor leagues as well. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll even select Art Warren. Hang on, on in the hang on. RJ, 
RJ wants to defend himself here in the <laughs> in the chat. He says, I wouldn't take Straw if it wasn't a daily lineup league. I like keeping him on the bench and deploying him late in week as needed or when others have an off day. feel like I can steal a win here and there in steals category using him a couple times a week like that. So right. that that's his defense. And uh, I, I hear it. I hear it. Point well taken. That's all I'll say. I mean, look, that. he's a he's going to hit at the top of the order, um, presumably for the Guardians as long as he's good enough to. And there's not going to be a lot of competition in regards to being good enough in Cleveland. So, um, you know, th- there's going to be opportunities at the very least. All right, a couple more picks going off the board here. Robbie Grossman, Scott selects Ken Giles, and then Zach Gallen at pick 204 to finish out round... 17 and Zach Gallen was in the news for the wrong reasons on Monday. Apparently, he had off-season shoulder issues, and that is uh, in conjunction with all of the elbow, forearm stuff that he dealt with last year. So, oof, lots of risk involved with Zach Gallen. Yeah. It's it's pretty scary yeah, right now. That is scary stuff. I probably just not going to draft him. Right. Period. I, I, you never say never, right? Because if it's your last pick or something, maybe. But I, I imagine somebody will take him before I'm comfortable taking him because I, like, he's already the single pitcher who I'm most concerned about having Tommy John surgery, even beyond yeah. like Clayton Kershaw or Jacob Degrom. And then he had shoulder surgery in the off season. Are you kidding me? And and honestly, I I um. I have performance concerns about him. You know, I I don't know if he's going to be the potential ace that we hoped he would be because I'm not a hundred percent sure at this point, whether he's got, you know, the, the the kind of plus pitches that, that you would really need to be more than just, you know, a good pitcher, even without the the injury risk. Oh, but it it wasn't shoulder surgery for gallon, right? He had shoulder inflammation in the off season. Yeah. Scary. It was uh, bursitis, which yeah, again is shoulder inflammation. Uh, Scott, you selected two closers, potential closers, Ken Giles and Joe Barlow. Yeah. Yeah. You've really, you've really won me over to Ken Ken Giles. I think we're going to draft a lot of him. Mm, Nice. Because obviously the Mariners never settled on a closer last year, but like Ken Giles, that, as we talked about recently, like he's the sort of reliever who, who's not really effective in any other role, and he's been a very effective closer coming mm-hmm. off Tommy John surgery. So who knows? But but I'll take a shot on it this late. But a, a long time removed from Tommy John surgery at this point. Sure. Yeah, I think he had it what late in twenty twenty is. Yeah, definitely prior to last season because the Mariners signed him with the understanding that he would miss all of last season. Right. Uh, all right, yeah. Uh, look, he has the closing experience. I know it's it's a very crowded bullpen right now. They've got Drew Steckenrider. They've got Paul Seawald. But, man, if Ken Giles is right, uh, he, he might be the best of the bunch. After Scott selected Joe Barlow, we are in round 18. Kyle Hendricks goes off the board. Tony Gonsolin. All right, Scott, people are listening. Some some Scotty sleepers there. Rymel Tapia. Um, Avisael Garcia. And Chris, you select Tristan McKenzie. Oof. All right. So this is a nice... Nice round for some starting pitcher sleeper slash breakouts. Do you resent him saying oof there, Chris? (laughs) 
Um, I don't know why he would. Frank's a <laughs> Tristan McKenzie either. guy. I, I thought he liked him. Um, ooh, oof. I did also that have Tony Gonsolin. That was a good oof, positive, by the way. Yeah, that, that was, was oh, okay, like, good. That okay. was like a yeah, because yeah, I, I did have Tony Gonsolin and Ken Giles in my queue. So you know, I was and Lucas Sims since my last pick. So those were all guys I was considering, and and I think Tristan McKenzie's right in that group. Um, I wrote about him for Breakouts 2.0 last week, and it's a it's a bet on a guy who's shown two really good pitches um, and has had really interesting flashes so far in his major league career. So that's why I like uh, Tristan McKenzie there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, after you selected Tristan McKenzie, Steven Strasburg and Gregory Soto are off the board. Two more picks and then I am up. So I should start thinking about what I would like to do. I've got five starting pitchers. That includes Brandon Woodruff, Max Freed, Pablo Lopez, Logan Gilbert, and Alex Wood. I've got two closers in Ryan Presley and Mark Melanson. So a few different directions I can go in here. Uh, Cabrian Hayes goes 214th overall. I would have selected him if if he made it to me here. And then just kind of play whoever's performing well between Cabrian Hayes and Matt Chapman at my third base position. Uh, so, Yeah, I didn't even think about him because he's usually gone 50 picks earlier before I'd ever think about him. So that's yeah. Yeah. yeah his ADP this is more in, the range where I draft Cabrian Hayes. Yeah. His ADP in NFC drafts is 139.7. Yeah. So he went it's crazy. 80 picks later than he normally does. And yeah, that's the point where it's like, yeah, we have a lot of questions about Cabrian Hayes at this point, but there's no downside risk at 215 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that I want a pitcher. <sighs> Not a belly itcher. I think we're going to just load up. Let's let's go Giants, man. Let's do it. Alex Wood, <sighs> Alex Cobb. And Good then pick. I am going to, I believe, select a reliever. Mm-mm-mm. We're kind of dwindling on closer candidates here. Uh, but I, I believe I did this in our previous head-to-head categories mock draft as well. I'm going to select David Bednar, and of course I would love for him to be the closer of the Pirates, but really it doesn't matter all that much because I think that he's going to be really good when he pitches, whether it's setup man in the ninth inning. Uh, he was amazing last year, so lots of strikeouts, good ratios for David Bednar. Again, I'm just going to leave him in the lineup, daily lineup league, Give me those ratios, those strikeouts. And if he's the closer, good. Give me saves too. I'll take those. Uh, after David Bednar goes, Adam Duvall. So one of those sluggers, Scotty, that goes very late. Of course, he's yep. going to hurt the batting average, but, you know, 30, 35 plus home runs. Uh, seems very doable. And then Tarek Skubal, the next pick. And Gene Segura. We're, we're flying, flying here in round 19. Uh, Joe Ooh. Ryan goes off Ooh, the board. Oh, I wanted Joe Joe. Jojo, who calls him that? Do you call him that? I just did. <laughs> That's the first time I've said it or heard it. The invisible fastball from Joe Ryan. Very interesting pitcher. He's he's one of these vertical approach angle darlings where I cannot really explain it very well, but it's basically where the ball crosses the plate from a pitcher's perspective. Uh, you can read articles from other much smarter people who have broken it down before. Uh, but yeah, that's basically how he hides his fastball well. And despite throwing 91, 92 miles per hour, uh, how he's able to have as much success as he has in the minors and so far in the majors as well. Chris, you select AJ Pollock. 
I think a fantastic pick at this point. Could be sneaky good in this format in particular, the uh, daily lineups, if you're going to be on top of that stuff, because AJ Pollock, obviously, I don't think we expect him to be an everyday player at this point, but he's been fantastic the past two seasons. 290, 888 OPS, 162 game pace of 35 homers, 97 RBI, and 10 stolen bases, 78 runs. Like, if you just put him in your lineup when he's out there, you're probably going to get really good production from him. Yeah, and hopefully give him some opportunities to DH as well. Universal DH now. Mm -hmm. So, look, I know Max Muncy needs it, and we've talked about Will Smith maybe, but A.J. Pollock can work his way into that mix. If if he's swinging a hot bat, they, they want to keep his bat in there. So, good stuff there. After A.J. Pollock, Ryan McMahon, another player in this format. You can choose to just play him when he's in Coors Field. Reap the rewards there. Uh, Alex Colome, unfortunately, <laughs> the the opposite. You've, I don't know if you want to pitch him when he's in Coors Field, but you need the save, so I get it. Uh, and then Riley Green and Drew Steckenrider off the board. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Scotty, you are up. Let's check in on your team. See what we got going on. I assume lots of power. Mm-hmm. And yes, you've got Salvador Perez, Josh Bell, Jorge Polanco, Rafael Devers, Corey Seager in the infield, then Trout, Cattell Marte, Kyle Schwarber, Hunter Renfro, and Brendan Rogers in your outfield and utility. Uh, you've filled out all of your pitcher spots, so... All right, you got some flexibility. What are we doing? I filled out all of my pitcher spots, but with only four starting pitchers, I believe. So I've yet to draft my fifth starting pitcher. I don't normally draft this guy, but I don't think he's normally here at this point. Uh, Anthony Desclafani will be my fifth starting pitcher. 
hoping that his success from last year carries over. I'm a little skeptical of it, but the Giants obviously play in a huge park, which can help keep the ERA lower, even for a pitcher who's predisposed to fly balls like Desclafani is. It's got one word of advice. Don't start him against the Dodgers. (laughs) 100%. Fair enough. Yeah. He had like a sub three ERA against everybody but the Dodgers last season. And he had, I don't ERA over 10 in like three or four starts against them or something wild? Well, a daily league makes that more possible. In fact, I can sit him on the road in general if I so choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I think regardless of the format that you play in, um, you could start Ace Clefani pretty regularly, just not against the Dodgers, as Chris mentioned. At the turn, we get two San Francisco Giants, Brendan Crawford and Brandon Belt. To, to Brandon Giants. So, whatever that's worth to you. We are in round 20. Uh, Brandon Belt, for what it's worth, I, I think does excel in this format. When he yeah. plays, he's been awesome, but particularly against right-handed pitching, if you can choose to just throw him in your lineup whenever he's right. facing those righties. The problem nice. is he doesn't play nearly as much as he should because he's not that bad against lefties, but Gabe yeah. Kapler is just hyperactive manager. So, uh, he moves. He takes him out of the lineup a lot, even though it was homered on. It was like on a fifty homer pace last year, Brandon Belt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in a daily right. league, if if you're willing to actually check the day's lineups every day and commit to to doing that, to, to actually setting your lineup every day, which I can never do in a daily league, <laughs> part of the reason I don't like them. Then yeah, Brandon Belt. He should probably go earlier than this. Yeah, I mean, both Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford probably should go earlier than they do. There's a lot of skepticism about what they did last season. In Belt's case, you know, there was there were signs of it in 2020 as well. It's not just like a one-year thing. And the thing with Belt is, one, he's one of those guys that just always seems like he's been held back by his home park. And it seems like some of the the, the park factors in San Francisco have shifted to be a little more hitter-friendly in a way that's helpful to him in particular over the last couple of seasons, but also he's just always had really good batted ball data. And so it's not necessarily surprising that, you know, he's still, you know, quite a productive player in a smaller role. All right. After Brendan Belt went, Scott selects Zach Greinke, then Adley Rutschman, <clears throat> Kyle Finnegan, Casey Mize, Lance McCullers, who will not be ready for the start of the season. He is behind because of that forearm injury that he was dealing with in the postseason last year. Uh, So not a great start there for the Houston Astros. Uh, Adley Rutschman, I believe, just went ahead of Cabert Ruiz and Tyler Stevenson. So that is interesting and something we don't really see often in these drafts. Yeah, a lot of people in this draft have just been content to wait for whatever catcher they get. Mm-hmm. There are still four people in a 12-team league without a catcher. Yeah. So it's, it's I, surprising to see all three of those, Rushman, Ruiz, and, and Stevenson, available this late. But you get – I mean, I, I can't really disagree with the strategy. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily take him over – Ruiz, but I think there's it makes all the sense in the world to take him over Tyler Stevenson. You know, Adley Rutschman could just be up by opening day. I mean, that's one of the things that they changed with the new CBA is that you know not only are there incentives to having players called up uh, from opening day, they you know if you have a player who's on the opening day roster who finishes in the top five in rookie of the year and three or three in the rookie of the year, five in MVP and Cy Young. 
you gain an extra uh, draft pick as a result of that. But also, there's the potential that you could call Adley Rushman up on May 15th. He could finish second in Rookie of the Year voting, and he gets the full year of service time anyway. So that that's a that's you know a, at least a little bit more of a disincentive for teams to leave their guys down, especially someone like Adley Rushman who. I don't think anybody really like he's a catcher, but he's probably ready. Oh yeah. I mean, he was ridiculous last year and double A and triple A. Yeah. The plate discipline is fantastic. I mean, and, and everybody raves about the soft skills, the, the, the way he handles pitchers, his approach to the game that there's no real questions about any of that stuff with him. All right. After uh, Lance McCullers was the last pick that I mentioned. Chris, you selected Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck goes. So Whitlock and Tanner Houck go back to back. We don't necessarily know what their role is going to be, but in this format where I think that these players gain a little bit more value, Chris, because they're kind of like swingman, reliever, starter guys. And I think regardless of what their role is, they, they should be pretty good when they're on the mound. So you just kind of plug them in and, and see what happens. Yeah, and you can get three, four strikeouts. Uh, at a time from from guys like that, if they're going to be multi inning relievers, you know who pitch. Like it's not out of the question that you could have a week where Garrett Whitlock pitches three times, gives you six innings and and eight strikeouts, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got that in addition to whatever you've got from your starters. Mm-hmm. All right, I am back up on the clock. Uh, I have a few ideas of what I would like to do. I'm uh, scrolling down. Seeing if there are any <laughs> closer eligible players left <laughs> or any type of relievers that I want to target. Uh, one of my picks is going to be Aaron Ashby, who was in the news on Monday because he is going to be stretched out as a starting pitcher. Uh, okay. Something is happening with my screen here. Scott, uh, if you could select you. Aaron Ashby for me, that would... That nope, would be- not just you. Oh, all right. So Let's see uh, if I can get this thing... Uh, see if I can get this going again. Okay, so we've uh, we've hit a wall. <laughs> I went to refresh the draft, and for those uh, watching along here, you could see this up on your screen. Uh, but I'll take that out of there for now until we figure this out. I was going to select Aaron Ashby. He was in the news because he will be stretched out as a starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, and people smarter than me, prospect people, are, are very excited about Aaron Ashby. He's a left-hander, throws hard, has a Wicked slider. Don't know too much about a third pitch for him, but uh, I do like the potential. And whether he's a starter or not, like we were just saying about Garrett Whitlock and uh, Tanner Houck, you throw these guys in your lineup in in this format and uh, see what they could do. All right, I think we're I think we're back up here. And just to clarify, you say he's being stretched out to start. Mm -hmm. You mean stretched out to compete for a rotation spot? is Aaron Ashby, which means he'd have to overcome, I guess, Eric Lauer. Right. Which, you know, that that's not a, that's not that big of a lift, but Eric Lauer did finish the season strong, so I would, I would imagine he has the leg up in that competition. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, Adrian Hauser's in the rotation as well, you know, might be a little bit more cemented in that role, but you know. But it may just be a matter of time before Ashby gets a spot. Somebody gets hurt, whatever. Right. I, I don't yeah, think it's Ashby, wrong to draft him. I just wanted to click. Like if if Ashby had a guaranteed rotation spot, he might be, you know, the 60th pitcher. You are on the clock. 
Whoa. He's a he's he only threw 95 innings last season, but he did throw 126 in 2019 in 24 starts. So, you know, there is um there's precedent for him being used as a starter. So it, it's not necessarily like he's a guy that they can't really use as a, as a starting pitcher or someone whose innings are going to have to be severely limited. I would guess he's probably not going to, you know, if he played stayed in the rotation the whole time, he probably wouldn't throw 180 innings. But, you know, it's not out of the question to think Ashby could throw 160. And we've seen the Brewers, you know, get that out of Freddie Peralta. His minor league numbers are just okay. Um, a lot of strikeouts, but 3.75 ERA. There was, of, skill, there was a skill. There was a skill jump last year, uh, throwing harder, and I, I believe control was still bad though. The slider, uh, became, yeah, his slider became a really a wipeout pitch for him. Yeah, but even then, four forty one ERA. It's you know triple A, but it's not the PCL. So Nashville is not necessarily. You know, we're not talking about Salt Lake City or Albuquerque there. Um, The PCL doesn't exist anymore, Chris. Yeah, it's the AAA West now. That's what it is. Um, Nashville was in the PCL, I think. Could be wrong about that. Anyway. That'd be an awful long flight. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it it matters more in a head-to-head points league than a head-to-head categories that he might be starting because he's... um, your ratios don't matter quite as much, and he could be a really bad whip guy based on his minor league career, but it's interesting nonetheless. You're all, you're always looking for upside pitchers. Yep, uh, especially at pick 240. Uh, and to yep. start round 21, I selected a. Eugenio Suarez, so likely to be on my bench, um, but between him and Matt Chapman, hopefully one of those guys works out, uh, and I have a, a decent, at least a decent, third baseman here. After a. Eugenio Suarez, RJ selects Cabert Ruiz, Oh, man, it's just great value. Pick 242 overall. Uh, and then Andrew Benintendi, Miguel Sano, Kyle Lewis, Chris selected Herman Marquez. Uh, we see Glaber Torres, Jordan Hicks, Eduardo Escobar, and Ian Kennedy selected. Ian Kennedy signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, assuming something doesn't happen to Mark Melanson, um, I don't think that Ian Kennedy will earn any saves this season. Well, you know, maybe maybe Melanson needs a day off here or there, but uh, yeah, maybe just drafting Kennedy for for ratios at this point and some strikeouts. Scotty, you select Frankie two hits. Frankie two hits, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, in, in a league that rewards that that offers no rewards for walks or on base percentage, I'm happy to take Frank Schwindel late like this. Don't envision him hitting 326 again. I think his batting average with the Cubs was even higher in the 340s because he had like an awful stretch with the A's earlier in the year. But but he was he did, he was a guy who hit for batting average consistently in the minors, and I think I had, I've I've called I, I've said Schwindel I think has the potential to be like a more powerful Yuli Gurriel. Obviously, he has complete bottom out potential too, as a guy who got his first shot in the majors at age 29 last year, but. That's that's the hope for him, like a more powerful Yuli Gurriel. All righty. Uh, after Frank Schwindel, Tyler Stevenson goes at pick 252. <laughs> Say what you want about Tyler Stevenson, but man, that is that is late. That is the latest that I have seen him go in a draft this offseason. Uh, and then John Gray to kick off round 22. I, I like John Gray as a sleeper candidate. Finally, out of Coors Field. He is on the Texas Rangers. They paid him a good amount of money, so... 
Uh, hopefully we can see the best version of John Gray that, that we've seen yet. Uh, Scott, you are back up. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. It's between two players here. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take... Am I going to do this? Do I want to do this? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to take Connor Joe. Yeah. Nice pick. Yeah, I almost took Nicky, Nicky Lopez instead. Connor Joe. But I, I came out so firmly against the Miles Straw pick. Granted, that was like what? Four <laughs> rounds ago? Yeah, something like that. But I, you know, I already have so many middle infielders too. It's like. Yeah. Anyway, Connor Joe. I don't have as many outfielders. I like his upside. Hopefully he's the leadoff man for Colorado. Mm. Uh, and that would be. I think there's serious upside there if he is. Scott, do you plan to uh, just play Connor Joe when he's at home in this format? Sure. It's a daily lineup. One, I mean, he's on my bench, so I, I don't plan to play, play him that much at all. But, yeah, as a substitute when somebody else has a day off, if he's in Colorado, sure. All right. After Connor Joe, we see Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. So if you do need some steals late in your draft, I'm not sure that he'll offer you much else, but... You know, starting shortstop for the Yankees. A little bit of speed uh, after that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I said it on yesterday's show, but I wouldn't be shocked if we saw like a little leap in his production with uh, with Yankee Stadium as kind of as home for kind of Falefa. Alrighty, uh, yeah, he was playing in Globe Life Field last year. It's you know we we're still gathering data on that ballpark. It's it's fairly new, but it seems like to this point it's it's played. Neutral favoring pitchers, so uh, nice, nice little park shift for IKF moving into Yankee Stadium. After he went, we see Harrison Bader, Mike Zanino, Michael Brantley, Chris selects Luis Patino, who he recently talked up as a sleeper on our Sleepers podcast, and then Mikey Stremski. It's very late for Mikey Stremski. You know, one year ago we were kind of excited about Yaz. And now he's right, going. He was a top 100 pick or not far off this yeah. time last year, right? Yeah. I think he was like 120 ish, something like that. But I think we were just wrong about Yaz and myself being one of the most wrong about him. He and is um, he is someone that I think could benefit here, Scott. I mean, he, um, he was better two years ago against lefties uh, than wasn't good last year against them. So. You know, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe by, by the end last year, there. he wasn't even playing against lefties. Right. So I, I don't. And and you, you can work with that a little more in a daily league, obviously, but you have to you have to work, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. Uh, all right. I am on the clock, and hmm. I will take Jesus Sanchez with one of my picks. Uh, someone prospect in their organization who has tons of power like getting him this late and I also want to take another kind of reliever type pitcher let's, let's see who I could find oof it's kind of messy kind of messy at this point uh, alright I don't think I'm going to be able to find anybody quick enough so I will just select Jose Miranda I saw the name pop up there and I was like you know what that seems pretty fun. So, a prospect with the Minnesota Twins, who was fantastic last year, and maybe earns more playing time now that Josh Donaldson 
is out of the mix. Um, I like it. Thanks. Thank you, Scotty. I thought of it. Two, two prospects there, uh, prospect-ish type players, Jesus Sanchez, Jose Miranda. Uh, all right, we're, we're off in round 23. I think this might be the last round. Yes, it is. Uh, and then we'll quickly wrap up our teams. We'll get out of here. But what else has happened? I selected Jose Miranda, Bobby Dahlbeck, Colton Wong. You know, I love me some Colton Wong. 15 homers, 15 steals, rock solid. Frank Love, Samson, Colton, Wong. And then I wanted to see where you went with the next line, Chris. <laughs> but no, I can't, can't think of anything on the spot. Uh, after Colton Wong goes, Christian Javier, another one of these swingman types. If Lance McCullers is not ready, he could be in the rotation to start the season. And then Kyle Seeger. Hmm. I guess so, with the idea that he may come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. I saw I mean, there, there some whispers. Some, there's some rather jokey commentary about that on Twitter. Him joining his brother to play in Texas, where they just mm-hmm. traded away their third baseman after already losing their third baseman of the future. Ooh. All right. But I, I, I don't think. Look, maybe I'm. What do I know, right? <laughs> but I, I, I mean, look, well, you're probably going to cut your 26th, 23rd round pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't expect that to happen. All righty. After Kyle Seeger, ah, Chris, <laughs> that's who I should have t- took. You know, I've only been talking him up, right? Um, Chris selects Art Warren, so nice pick there. Uh, lots of strikeouts <laughs> last year. I think a 19% swinging strike rate. Guy has a nasty slider, it's something like 27 career saves in the minors as well. So he has worked in that role in the past uh, and some uncertainty with Lucas Sims. So I like that pick. Uh, and then Omar Nervaez, Ramon Laureano, Gavin Sheets with the two utility spots in this format. That's solid pick. Garrett Hampson uh, and Scott, you're up for your last pick, sir. Yeah. So one kind of underrated aspect or underappreciated. I don't know what the right word is. Julio Rodriguez with that Jesse Winker trade. It's there's not an obvious path for him to join the lineup ASAP anymore, but I'm going to take him anyway. Going to take him anyway. And the hope he arrives sooner than later. Right now, the Mariners projected DH is Abraham Toro. So he could easily be bumped from the lineup and, you know, maybe they get Winker in the DH spot, Hanniger, him and, him, and, him and Hanniger trading off, something like that. I, I think there's still a chance Rodriguez could make the opening day roster, and if it doesn't happen that soon, it, it may not be long after that. All right, and then Mr. Irrelevant could actually be quite relevant. Matt Barnes, he could be the closer for the Red Sox. They haven't made any moves there. You know, they've talked about Garrett Whitlock, but you know, Matt Barnes was really good in the first half of last season. Let's quickly run through our teams, give some quick thoughts, and uh, then we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, but, Scotty, we'll, we'll start with your team. We'll work backwards here. You had the 11th overall pick. You've got Salvador Perez, Josh Bell, Jorge Polanco, Rafael Devers, Corey Seager in the infield. You've got Mike Trout, Cattell Marte, Kyle Schwarber in the outfield, Hunter Renfro, and Brendan Rodgers as your two utility bats. At starting pitcher, you've got you Darvish and Robbie Ray. Uh, a couple of closers here. You've got Andrew Kittredge, Camilo Doval. You've got Ken Giles. You've got Joe Barlow. 
a couple of other pitchers. You've got Blake Snell, Tyler Malley, Zach Greinke, uh, Anthony Descofani, and some bench hitters, Connor Joe, Frank Schwindel, and Julio Rodriguez. What do you think of the team? I love the lineup. It's my favorite lineup I think I've built in a mock or real draft yet. Obviously, I'm not giving myself a chance of competing in stolen bases, but I think in this format where you need you're you're going week to week with them. I just feel like that's too much of a crapshoot for me to for me to invest the the draft capital in it. I just really I, I'd prefer to really dominate in power and you know I should do well in batting average with this lineup too. But power I think is going to be the most predictable and it has an effect on every other offensive category but stolen bases, especially when you're reducing it to week long samples. So I love my offense, the pitching. You know, I, I think I sacrificed some pitching to get that offense, but I do have a lot of upside with strikeouts, which I think is is one of the hardest categories to um, to to backfill off the waiver wire. And I, you know, I, I have four viable closer candidates here. I feel like so I should at least at the start of the year before these guys lose their jobs, they should be competing for saves. Uh, I, I think it's definitely workable, the pitching staff, especially given the scoring format. So overall, I'm pretty happy with it. Scott, the range of outcomes on your top three starting pitchers is just, it's so yeah. wide, right? Robbie right. Ray, you Darvish, Blake Snell. I mean, that could range from top five in Cy Young voting to uh, you, you drop them because they're they're just not performing well. Right. So it's But no matter, no matter which way it goes, they will have a lot of strikeouts. That is definitely fair. Chris, you are up. And let's take a look at your team. You were drafting sixth overall. You've got Will Smith at catcher, then Alex Kirilov, Brandon Lau, Luis Arias, and Bo Bichette in your infield. Christian Yelich, Byron Buxton, Aaron Judge in the outfield. Uh, Nelson Cruz and O'Neill Cruz. Oh, going with the double Cruz at utility. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the cry. <laughs> nice. That, that's, that's good. I like that. Uh, at starting pitcher, you've got Max Scherzer, Kevin Gosman. Eduardo Rodriguez, you've got Carlos Carrasco, Tristan McKenzie, uh, Herman Marquez, Luis Patino, maybe Garrett Whitlock, and then your relievers, you have Emmanuel Class A, Giovanni Gallegos, Devin Williams, who you'll leave in there to get some ratios and strikeouts, uh, Art Warren, who, who could work his way into the lineup with ratios and strikeouts as well. Uh, you've also got A.J. Pollock, as a hitter on your bench. What do you think about this team? It kind of feels like I'm missing a pick. I don't know if that makes sense, but it feels like as I was going through this team and looking at it, it feels like, man, there should, there should be like a third round pick here somewhere. So that's not a great sign. Um, Who was your third round pick? It would have been Aaron judge. Right. I believe. Okay. Um, who's yeah, so I, like, I think he's good. Who's a very obviously. he's a very fine third round pick, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I rank him there. You drafted so a it's, pitcher it's, in one of the first three rounds. Is that it? Yeah, it was Max Scherzer, Scherzer, Scherzer and Judge. Is that is that why you feel like you're missing a third round pick? I'm just yeah. I I think it's honestly it's just I know he's going to perform like a first rounder probably, but Bobachet doesn't quite feel like it to me. Like having the sixth overall pick and picking Bobachet first, like. And it's not like there's anybody I would have taken instead. It's just kind of highlights that I think there's a drop off there that, you know, that's the one where it feels like, ah, it feels like a, a, you know, like a late first, even though I was sixth overall. So I think that probably 
where I feel like I'm missing something. But you know, overall, I I think the offense is solid all around. It's got a lot of potential, but not as many sure things as I necessarily want. Um, and the sure things are of the Nelson Cruz, Aaron Judge, Byron Buxton variety. So not exactly sure things for a couple of different reasons. Um, but I'm happy with the pitching staff. You know, Scherzer and Gosman as anchors. I've got a lot of starters who I, you know, like the potential of. I've got a lot of good relievers. So, you know, it, it's the kind of approach in this format that I think can work. Um, you know, I've got a lot of flexibility at, at pitcher, especially because I only have one bench hitter. And I think that's probably the way you want to approach the head-to-head categories format. I think you probably want more um, pitchers on your bench, especially in the daily format, because you know, you want to be able to mix and match those relievers when your starters aren't, aren't out there. So that's the approach I went with. Um, I, I think it's fine. All right. I will uh, not the best team I've drafted. Pull up my team. I was drafting first overall and I've got JT real Muto. I've got CJ Crone, jazz Chisholm, Matt Chapman, Tim Anderson in the infield. Then Eloy Jimenez, Yordan Alvarez, Lourdes Gurriel in the outfield, Eddie Rosario, and Shohei Otani as my utility bats. Then at starting pitcher, I've got Brandon Woodruff, Max Freed, Logan Gilbert, Pablo Lopez, uh, Alex Cobb, Alex Wood, uh, potentially Aaron Ashby as well. Uh, at closer, I've got Ryan Presley, I've got Mark Melanson, maybe David Bednar, uh, nobody else. Only yeah, only three closers. Uh, all right, I usually like to wind up with more closer candidates than that. So that's probably something I, I would have liked to do better. Um, a few hitters on the bench. I've got Eugenio Suarez, Jesus Sanchez, and Twins prospect Jose Miranda. I hmm, I like my offense. I don't love it. Jazz Chisholm is someone I don't really draft all that often. Uh, your, your offense is like you have so many you have like a couple of really high batting average guys and then a lot of like batting average liabilities including your first rounder Otani yeah I mean he's could could hit like 250 260 something you know like Frank that. you going through your lineup I think made me realize what I didn't love about my team what was that that missing pick I think is the catcher Right. You know, I have Will yeah. Smith, you have JT Ramuto with the fir- with the fi- fifth overall or the fifth round picks and like they're not it's not that they're bad there. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're bad values or bad hitters, but your sacrifice does yeah. yeah, it feels like when you look at your overall team, it just feels like something's missing and you have I guess you either have to remind yourself that you have that edge at catcher or you know, at least for me, this may be the the way I'm looking at it, is at least in this format with such a shallow uh, starting lineup. Maybe I don't love the idea of making you know the the catchers, except for Salvador Perez, you know, a, a focal point because it's not clear they'll give you enough of an advantage in the categories format and points. You know, I think it becomes a little more clear because mm-hmm. their their counting their 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 numbers should be a lot better than everyone else's. But in this format, it definitely feels like I'm missing a hitter. No, it's a really good point that you bring up. It's, you know, when you can get Mitch Garver at pick 184 versus, yeah. you know, Will Smith in the middle of the fifth or or JT Realmuto with mm-hmm. the first pick of the fifth round, it's, you know, just weighing those two. And, you know, maybe yeah. instead of having Matt Chapman as my starting third baseman, I, I could have selected a Nolan Arenado there or a... Yeah, I don't know that Chris loves that. But. Uh, yeah. Well, but, but you know, the but the, 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 like, 
if I had Marcus, if Marcus Simeon had f- slipped one spot and I had right. him instead of Will Smith and I had, yeah. you know, Marcus Simeon and whoever at catcher. Yeah. Uh, I probably like that a little more. Yeah. I, I agree with that, that as, as emphatic as I am about drafting Salvador Perez this year, part of the reason is because generally I'm not about it at catcher. So mm-hmm. I'm not about it so much with Will Smith or JT Rio Muto. I'd, I'd have to get them at a clear value. Yeah, to, I think Smith. And I, I pushed for Smith like 17 picks above where I have him ranked, I think. So it was, you know, I mentioned at the time that I was just trying to see what it looks like. Turns out I don't love it. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. So I had the option to take Marcus Semien and maybe that was the answer because, you know, I would have had a better second baseman than than Jazz Chisholm and you know, could have just drafted one of those catchers that went really late and Caber Ruiz and, and Tyler Stevenson, these, these guys all lasted uh, pretty late. The pitching, I like the pitching. I don't, I don't love it. I think it's fine. You know, I've, I've got two Remember anchors. Remember Shohei Otani's part of it. That That's yeah. a good point, Scotty. Yeah. So yeah. makes it look even a little bit better. Yeah. So lengthen out the, uh, the depth there at starting pitcher. I uh, got the two anchors, play some matchups with, with the Giants guys. So I think the pitching is actually better than, than the lineup, but yeah. Catcher is tough to take early in head-to-head categories. I think that's one of our main takeaways here today. All right, we're going to wrap up. For Scott, Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this mock draft edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.